Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we are going to be doing a bit of a new series. Yeah, um, we're yeah. gonna. It could develop into a series. I think it will. Yeah. No, I think we're gonna have to come back and touch on this thing fairly regularly, well, kind of like churchy words. The topic is. Uh, uh, it really lends itself to that. Things that we wish the Bible didn't say. <laughs> yeah. And we we got to give total credit here to our friend Chris. Um, that's not to say that we aren't glad that the Bible, you know, lays these things out. It's just they're difficult. Or, yeah. uh, or hard to understand. Yeah, th- this is kind of a broad topic. We'll get into that. We'll yeah. talk about this a little yeah. more. Yeah. But first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, Randy. So, um, things that I wish the Bible didn't say. And we were talking about that ahead of time, and there's two or three different angles that we could take on this. Yeah. Some of it's just... Hey, it says this here, and it says that there, and those two things don't don't match up. And I wish one of them wasn't there. So there are things that look like apparent contradictions. Mm, yeah, that's uh, maybe the more the like Bible difficulties uh, yeah. route, right? Um, there are whole books written on that. I think oh yeah, we've got we've got one in Logos, and then I got of one sitting on the yeah, yeah, my bookshelf. Um, we plan on maybe thumbing through some of those, yeah. but then other ones are just like confusing passages, passages, um, that maybe just, maybe there's like a cultural difference that we don't understand, something right. like that. Yeah. Or maybe sometimes they're just, they're difficult to come to grips with. Like this would make my life harder. Right. You yeah. Know, stuff yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. I wish the Bible didn't say that. Because I don't want to have to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so basically th- this last week or so, uh, we've both just kind of been thinking through, you know, what what are some that come to mind? And, and so today we're going to just kind of jump back and forth and talk about maybe a couple passages yeah. out of Scripture that fit into the context of this idea and just talk through them and say, you know, why are they difficult? Right. And what do they what do they really mean? You know, if that's right, not apparent. Right. Um and what do we do with it? Because here's the thing. As much as it might be easier on us if the Bible was a little more straightforward about some things or if it were 
to not say certain things, it does say those things. That's right. And so we have to figure out why. Right. That that matters. And nothing's there by accident. Right, right, right. So what do you got for me? Well, you know, in our church, we're reading through the Bible in a year. We just came through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. So I just looked through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes at a number of different verses that are just confusing to me. Now, they're confusing because it goes against what I would have thought the Bible should say. Uh, for example, here's Ecclesiastes seven fifteen to 18. Solomon says, I've seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Pay attention to these instructions for anyone who fears God will avoid both extremes. Solomon says, don't be too good. Don't be too evil. Don't be too wise. Yeah, don't be too evil. Okay, I can get the don't be too evil. Don't but be too good. Don't be too good. Come on. Yeah. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? That's a little wonky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I definitely see why that's difficult. Like, I see why that's a, a weird passage, right? But what? Well, what's w- your explanation? One thing that others say, and I don't accept this explanation, but. Some people say, well, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is just a jaded old Solomon. This is Solomon at the end of his life, and uh, uh, what he's saying here you can't really take. Well, I don't buy that because I think Scripture is Scripture. I think it's there for a purpose. Well, even – okay, so let's let's say they're partially right. Do I – I do think this is jaded old Solomon. I do. I think I think likely this is probably Solomon at the end of his life. But – the passage, or sorry, the the book ends by basically saying, "Yeah, everything's worthless if you don't have God." Right. Yeah. So it's like yeah. he's real. He's getting it. He's seeing that life is incredibly difficult. Yeah. So I, I see where they're going with that, but that feels like they're really denying the book of its purpose. Yeah. To make yeah. that claim. Yeah. yeah. If you look at what Solomon says, starting off, I absolutely totally get that. Uh, I've seen the death of good young people, and I've seen long life in some wicked people. Yeah, I get that. I wish all of the good people, everything would go their way, but it doesn't. And I wish bad people, everything would go against them, but it doesn't. Solomon's recognizing that. One of the views that I saw on this Because when you write things out, you can't really add shades of sarcasm or even satire. One of the takes on this that really made a lot of sense to me kind of retranslates that center section. Now understand what it actually says. The translation that we have here in New Living Translation is actually pretty good. Don't be too good or too wise. But the author that I read said this, Solomon is really saying, don't play the part of the wise. Don't try to be too good in your own eyes. Don't look at yourself and say, yeah, I've made it. Or look at yourself and say, yeah, I'm pretty smart here. 
Or on the flip side of things, don't just degrade yourself. Yeah, yeah. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. That's my best take on that. I, I, okay. So I could go the other. I, maybe tell me what you think of this. But sort of going off of what I said about what I think the book of Ecclesiastes is really doing in the first place is like it is talking about the just frivolous kind of worthlessness of our world without yeah. God in it. Yeah. And so I see the first, how many chapters are there? Ten chapters? Eight chapters? Twelve. Twelve. Sorry. So like 11 and 12 is where he really starts to get into. He does. Here's here's what it's really about, though. And so, there he says things that everybody pretty much says, oh, yeah, that makes right. sense. Because it agrees with the rest of the scripture. Exactly. And so I... Could it be that the first 10 chapters are him just looking at the way of the world and talking about what the world would be if there were no God? Oh, I think that's totally what he's doing. So, yeah. so you know, if he, is, if he is saying, you know, well, this is how the world works, well, yeah, why would you want to be too good? Why would you want to be too bad? Yeah. You know, because if there is no God and it's all worthless, sure, why not? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, but if you're doing it because you're following God and God says do this, well, that's a different matter. Right. And and it's like, it feels like that's how he wraps everything up, though. It's it's almost like he's giving two ways of looking at things. There's the way the world looks at things. Yeah. And it's all worthless. And then there's through the lens of, but God is in right. the center of all this. And yeah. it changes yeah. everything. And so I, I think... Maybe you do have to give him a little bit of grace with a lot of what he says in the first chapters because he's not he's not being prescriptive. Right. He's talking about well, he's this is what it looks like. What is taking place? Yeah, right. So I would maybe almost lean that way as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think we get a lot of that in Proverbs. Okay, you ready for another one? I am. Bring this mic just a little bit closer. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I learned this verse in King James Version: Train up a child the way he should go. When he is old, it will not depart from it. New Living Translation says, direct your children onto the right path. When they're older, they won't leave it. Now, I wish that wasn't in the Bible because it doesn't work out that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of good Christian parents whose kids walk away from the faith. Well, look at Solomon's own son, Rehoboam. He split the kingdom. Look at Solomon in a lot of ways from David. (laughs) Absolutely. Or David from his father, you know, like... And you look at uh, Jacob and his 12 sons, and you know you go right down the line. You can point up biblical examples, and you can point at examples that we know. Parents, I think, sometimes beat themselves up because their children make choices, and sometimes they choose wrong. Hmm. And the parents left saying, well, what I do wrong? If I would have done this, then... Maybe they wouldn't have done that. Or if I hadn't done that, then Mm. maybe they'd be this way. And I'm not sure that's what this verse is really saying. No, I mean, uh, before you dig into where where you're going with this, uh, that kind of reminds me of sort of the prosperity gospel or like the name it, claim it idea that... You know, the Bible does say things like, you know, Jesus says, you know, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. Well, we can turn that and flip that too. And then if it doesn't work out, 
then we're sitting here going, what have I done wrong? I haven't right, had enough yeah, faith. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait, no. There, Part of that is just the will of God operating. Like, what yeah. what does God see here that I don't see? And why is he... He's got a reason for right, saying no right, to right, this. Right. Um, and so in a similar way, I guess it's like we can't just be like, every time it's going to work exactly like this because God is a magical genie machine and does exactly what I want him to do. And so since the Bible has said, if you train your kids up right, you know, they'll never, you know, they won't walk away, you know. That's right. Once again, it's not this every time it's going to work out exactly right. These are Proverbs. This is a general truth of the world. And one of the ways of looking at this verse is to say exactly that. Uh, This is a generality. Uh, What Solomon is really saying here is, Spend time with your kids. Train them up in the right way. It'll pay off in the future. They don't always follow what you would like for them to follow, but it will pay off in the future. It did for me. Yeah? I mean, my parents raised me right. I mean, they they weren't perfect. They're human beings. They're going to mess up. We all do. Um, But they told me right about who Jesus is, who God is, what he wanted out of me, what he wanted out of my life, and I went off. And I made my own way and screwed up. But then one day, it's like you're confronted with God, and and he's like, no, look, you knew what was right all along. Go back now and make it right. And it's like I already had a foundation there built. It's not like I was, like, learning from scratch when I finally started. It's like I knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I I, I do think maybe that doesn't mean they're never going to stray, um, but I think they'll have a, an easier way finding their way back. There's another way of looking at this. Our translations supply the word right. Okay. What it actually says in Hebrew is train a child in his own way, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. I read one commentator that says this is not about training a child in the right way. This is a warning against what you have, what you uh, do if you just let the child do whatever he wants. You let the child do whatever he wants. You give him his own way, and that'll set the stage for the rest of his life. Oh. Yeah. That personally makes way more sense to me. Oh, my gosh, does it ever. And I checked it out, and it's absolutely right. This is not... It does not say direct your children onto the right path. It literally says uh, direct your children on their path. For whatever reason, that just t- tends to fit better with like the way the rest of the Proverbs work anyways. Yeah. They yeah. seem to generally be like life guidance Yeah, rather than like there isn't the uh, – some of them there is a – very religious element, but like oh, yeah. a lot of them are just basic. Look, don't like truisms, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Be- well, I mean, that's something you got to understand. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but a lot of these proverbs are being borrowed. They're not like Solomon isn't writing these. He's not coming up with these. These are like a library of just truths that he yeah. has found, you yeah. know. And he is recording them because they're that's right. in alignment with the way. God wants us to be as well, you know? Like, so it's, yeah. 
Here's a pile of them. Uh, there, there are three different Proverbs I'm going to read. First two share a common theme, and then the third one is a different theme, but they kind of come to the same thing. So Proverbs 17.8 says, A bribe is like a lucky charm. Whoever gives one will prosper. So do you get that? Bribe your way out of trouble. <laughs> Proverbs 21.14, A secret gift calms anger. A bribe under the table pacifies fury. So there's two Proverbs about giving bribes. And it doesn't say, don't do it. It says... It makes it easier. Yeah. Oh, now, man. the third one is at the very end of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. If they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. Here's the part. Alcohol is for the dying, and wine... For those in bitter distress, let them drink to forget their poverty, remember their troubles no more. So it sounds like he's saying, if you're having a tough time, go get drunk. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd read that in the book of Proverbs? I have read it in the book of Proverbs, so, so yeah. But uh, yeah, I see where you're going. I mean, that, that those are tough. And the answers to these are in something that you've already said. A lot of Proverbs is descriptive, not proscriptive. Right. So the two things about bribes, what Solomon is saying is this is just reality. When a bribe is presented, uh, frequently it will pacify anger. It will avoid trouble. And he's not saying, are you in trouble? Then go get drunk. What he's saying is people turn to alcohol to forget their trouble. Mm. He's not saying we ought to do it. He's simply making the observation, this is what people do. Right. Now, okay, the the alcohol one's a little tricky, though, too, because it's not like alcohol is outright this condemnable thing. But being drunk is. Yeah. Right? Right. But then there's that fine line of, like, Jesus himself keeps the party going. First miracle. Right. So, like, there is a place for alcohol and uh, allowing alcohol to loosen people up and let them have a good time. But then there's also that, like, you have tiptoed into a place where you're no longer in control of yourself. And that's drunkenness. Yes. And so that one's tough for me, that last one. Because I I do see how, like, giving somebody – like, for instance, um, like in surgeries – in Civil War times, they'd give you some whiskey or something to yeah, yeah, was numb some of the pain, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I can see how there is application there, but I could also see how you could turn that around and abuse it. Uh, the very first line is, it's not for kings to guzzle wine. Right. There is a difference between guzzling wine and having wine with your meal. Right, right. Um. Yeah, descriptive rather than prescriptive. You know, we were in Colombia, and uh, one of the things that we learned fairly early on is there are bribes and there's bribes. Now, in North America, we tend to think money given is not a good thing unless it's a fee that you're paying for. 
Well, in Latin America, it's different. There are two types of bribes. There is the bribe that you give to someone so they'll do their job. And then there's the bribe that you give to someone so they won't do their job. Mm. The bribe given so they won't do their job is wrong. wrong. The bribe given so they will do their job, I heard it called one time a proleptic proleptic tip. (laughs) But we do that here in America, It's a tip given ahead of time. We do that here. We just don't – it's less on the nose. Yeah. We give you bonuses at Christmas time. We give you extra time off if you've got something going on. Like you'll buy somebody a gift in your company. Just let them know you're really happy with the way they've been doing things. And like those are bribes, but they're just different. I was listening to uh, (laughs) – amazingly, it was a pastor one time and he was talking about giving tips. He said when he goes to a restaurant – First thing he does is he hands the waiter a $10 tip. And then at the end of the meal, he tips him a normal amount. Hmm. So there's something ahead of time so that the waiter will... Grease in that palm. Exactly. Make sure that food gets there on time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know that that's a bad thing no yeah no no if you're you know if you're like hey here's some money so you would do this illegal thing yeah that's bad that's bad that's bad or to turn your you know turn your head the other way so somebody else gets in trouble or whatever you know those things are wrong yeah yeah i see what you're saying that's interesting next one okay ecclesiastes 3 19 to 21 people and animals share the same fate both breathe and both die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless. Both go to the same place. They came from dust and they return to dust. Who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down into the earth? So it sounds like Solomon here is saying, hey, we're all just animals. Psalm 49, verse 12, says uh, of the evil that their fame will not last. They will die just like animals. So is this biblical author saying there's no difference between men and women and animals? Some of this comes in the translation. Uh People and animals share the same fate. The word fate there really is, it's it's not destiny, it's not fate, it's not the purpose for which they were created. It is just they share the same happenings. Both people and animals die. The other thing is another translation for that last verse who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down, actually could be translated, there is one who knows that the spirit of man goes up and the spirit of animals goes down to the grave. God knows is the implied subject there. This is like a God only knows kind of thing. God only knows. Right. Yeah. Okay. But even still, okay, if you could go that route, maybe. But even if you go the route of, it does say who can prove, 
Well, if we if we go with the trend we've seen with uh, Ecclesiastes, if he's just saying like, look, this is just the way it is. Like, if you were to look around, yeah, who can't prove it? Yeah, yeah, true. But we we know we know because we've experienced God. But I can't I can't prove God to you. I can't prove right. I've right. never been to the afterlife to say I've seen you know. Um, but that doesn't mean he's saying he doesn't believe that there is a difference right. between man right, and animal. Right, right. You know, it's more just the the craziness of life, the meaningless, so seemingly meaninglessness right. of right. life right. through a worldview, right? Right. A worldly worldview, I should say. Last one. Okay. I wish the Bible didn't say spare the rod and spoil the child. <laughs> <laughs> And we talked about this ahead of time, so Zach knows where we're going. Yeah. There's a real easy answer. Bible didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought it did, but I looked it up. It does not say that. Spare the rod and spoil the child comes from a poem in the 1660s by Samuel Butler. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if we go down the rabbit hole of things the Bible doesn't say, we could be here for a hot minute. <laughs> we could. But the point is physical discipline for children. Proverbs does uh, encourage physical dis- uh, discipline for children. For example, Proverbs 13, verse 24, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children those who love their children care enough to discipline them. So here this passage of Scripture says uh, clearly that uh, a rod of discipline is okay to use with children. A couple of things about this. One is that the word for child here is not a small child. It's also translated in other places as young man. There is most of the references in Proverbs to using the rod, is to use the rod on the back of a fool. Now, here again, uh, I wouldn't say that that would be a preferred way of dealing with people who make unwise decisions today, uh, get a rod and start beating them. But uh, the point is there is no biblical reference to beating small children. Uh, this is a, 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 a teen, a, a young man, um, even even a 20-year-old. Again, the other uh, aspect of this is that this may be descriptive, not proscriptive. This mm-hmm. is not instructions to beat. This is simply saying that there are those who do beat. Um there is one other thing here. In the general context here of Proverbs, uh, we, we just read Proverbs 13.24. Well, Proverbs 14.23 says, uh, that's not it. Proverbs 14.3 says, a fool's proud talk becomes a rod that beats him, Hmm. but the words of the wise keep them safe. There may be an idiom at play here where a rod that beats 
are stern words of correction. Mm, that makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. It it is certainly a little bit more palatable than talking about beating a child. I mean, okay, but at the same time, I mean, people have been spanking their kids for ever because it's like I'm gonna simu- I'm gonna simulate pain for you. Yeah. So you 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 know that this is bad and that this will hurt you. Right. It's to save you from a worse danger. Right, 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 right. And generally, dude, when people spank their kids, like they're not actually hurting their kids. No, most no, of the no. time. And most I understand the there time. there's. I mean, but that's there just are it. those who there do, those and that is definitely wrong. Yeah, right. No, nobody's gonna right. So, like, I know that that's a really touchy subject today with a lot of different people, but it's like. I, I don't think the Bible is endorsing, like, legitimately injuring your child. No. I think this is more of a let's correct them right, right. to keep them from hurting themselves. And what you said is absolutely what should be the motivation of a parent to simulate the pain that would be caused by doing what they were intending to do. Case in point, uh, our firstborn child would uh we actually built part of the house that uh, we we moved into when we had him and he found a nail and he started sticking a nail in the uh, electric receptacle well i wasn't about to let him do that that could kill him so what i did was i took his hand that he held the nail in i held his hand at the end of my hand where i could use my fingers and kind of keep his hand there And then I smacked as loud as I could, basically clapped on my palm so that it would, first of all, surprise him, shock him. I didn't actually hit him. I was hitting my own hand. But you wanted to freak him out. But I wanted to freak him out. (laughs) I wanted him to to realize, oh, man, I I don't want to do that. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all on how parents should – go about disciplining their children, but the point here is discipline your children. Discipline your children, train them, whatever that means to you. If you spank and the spanking is done in an appropriate way, it can be effective. And that's a pretty, I mean, and that could be a fine line, right? I mean, like, that's that's a tough thing. Like, if you're hurting the kid, you're probably wrong. Like. I really don't think you should like, and once again, I mean, this is me speaking for me here, but like, I don't want to ever hurt my kids. Um, but at the same time, I, I do want to, you want them to obey. You want them to, right. I, I want to save them from a worse fate. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that's the point. So I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. Like I, I know, I know people whose parents that go get the switch off the tree, you know, and just like leave welts on them. Like, Oh man. Oh, yeah. Oh man, I'm, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that was a generational thing, personally. But. Yeah, yeah, and you know, that's one of the other things that's true here. This, there is a culture thing at right, play here, too. right? Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts here. The point is, don't don't forsake disciplining your kids. The Bible does not say, "Thou shalt spank thy children." It does say, "Discipline your children." Yeah. Train them. Right. Right on. Is that all yours? That's all. That's everything I could find in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that caused me some confusion. 
I, I thought of one. Um, so here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking through First Corinthians, right? And I got to First uh, Corinthians six nine through ten. Okay. And uh, it says this. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people <laughs> or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> okay? Now, here's the deal. That triggered a thought in my head because I know there's lots of times things like this are said throughout Scripture. So I just wanted to go through and read all of them. Yeah. Because this laundry list gets long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so here it's on Paul's lips. Yeah. It's on Jesus's lips, too. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I think all the ones I'm going to be doing are from Paul's lips. Okay. Because, I mean, what are you talking like... Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff? Oh, I think there's some places where Jesus... Uh, I, I'm thinking more Matthew 24, 25. The Olivet Discourse. Oh, okay, right? yeah. okay, the, okay. The goat and the sheep. Got it, got it. Yes, right. But that's <laughs> less less spelled out, maybe. Mm, maybe. I'm just saying, this He's is He's still literally... saying these ones are going yeah. to heaven, these ones are right, not. Right, but this is telling you which ones. <laughs> right. I mean, down yes. to the T, oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, and so okay, so so far we've got uh, sexual sin, idol worship, adultery, mm, prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, uh, those who are abusive, those who cheat people. We then have Revelation twenty two fifteen says, "Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers." The sexually immoral, the murderers. Now we got murderers. Now we've got sorcerers, uh, the idol worshippers, and all who love to live a lie. So those who are living a lie. And we got Galatians five nineteen through twenty. When you follow the desires of your sexual nature, sorry, your sinful nature, the results are very clear: sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Jealousy. Jealousy. Dude, <laughs> outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5.5. 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I am on that list somewhere, <laughs> and so is every single all of us person yeah. alive. And it's like, it named everything. I mean, when you put them all together, I don't know that there's a sin that's not on that list or like a a corner of sin that's not right. on that list, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like selfishness? Isn't all sin selfishness? <laughs> so that you, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's tough. That's really tough because here's the thing. If this is just speaking completely literally, no one's going to heaven. Yeah. So there has to be some kind of nuance going on here, or there is this. This doesn't 
it's not just quite as on the nose as we can make it. And so we have to kind of break it down and go, okay, what is really being said here? I personally, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, but I personally going off of um, the first Corinthians passage, this follows Paul talking about the man who is sleeping with his mother-in-law. Is that right? Uh, Not mother-in-law, his actual, his stepmother. Stepmother, that's what it is. But it seems to be the case that he is doing this, knows that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Knows that everybody mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not cool with it. Knows that Paul's not cool with it. Knows that like nobody's okay with this. They've told him to stop. They've asked him. He's still not stopping. And he's doing it anyway. And he's yeah. doing it anyways. And he's saying, well, I'm a Christian and I can do this anyways. And Paul says, hand him over to the devil. Hand him over to the world. Di- Distance yourself from this man. Don't even eat with him. Don't treat him like he's one of yours because you've told him. You've tried to help him. You've tried to be on his side, and he can't even recognize that it's wrong. So hand him over to his desires. Don't have anything to do with him and hope that he will see the error of his ways and come back to you. Is that what you get out of this? It is. It is. So my point is in all this is if that's what Paul is saying about that first laundry list of these in 1 Corinthians, I'm assuming it's the same tone with the rest of them. Well, I was just following along with you. In Ephesians chapter 5, you read verse 5. Now, verse 6 says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse those sins. Right. So it's not just somebody who, uh, to pick one of them, uh, one of the sins that's mentioned in uh, uh, verse 5 is greed. Right. So uh, it's not just somebody who at some point slips up and they're greedy and they get something that they shouldn't have gotten. It's somebody who does it habitually and says, it's really okay. It's not a big deal. And And, and so this is something that's really been at the forefront of my mind recently is kind of developing this new understanding of the word repent. Yeah. Um, People always talk about it and say it means to walk away from, to turn around. Right. But when we look at it in the Greek, the word metanoia is to change your mind. To change your mind, yeah. And what's so interesting to me about that is it has nothing to do with your behavior. It's, It's the eyes through which you see that you now see it for what it is. It's like you it's like the you know amazing grace how sweet the sound. You right, know, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. I once was blind but now I see. Like to me these people Paul is talking about it's like they don't even see it. Right. They yeah, haven't even yeah, begun yeah. Right. to truly understand this. Following through on that uh the Greek word for confess is the word homologeo which literally means to say the same thing as. So, to, to agree. To agree, yeah. So when you confess, you agree with God as to the nature of your sin. Right. Like, you hate it, well, think just about, like he does. Think about David. David commits one of the most despicable just rally of sins yeah. in the entire Bible. Right. That he 
sees Bathsheba from, I mean, okay, first of all, he's supposed to be off at war. Right. He doesn't go off to war. He stays home. So he's selfish. Right. He's selfish. He's looking out for himself. So what's he do? He's chilling out, looking on off his balcony. He sees a, a woman, beautiful woman, bathing on a rooftop. So now he's lusting. Okay, to the point that he then sends his men to go get her and they bring her to him and then he state sanction rapes her because what are you going to do? Say, no, I'm not going to sleep with the king so you can cut my head off. Right. So now he's state sanctioned raped the girl. He gets her pregnant. So then he's like, well, what do I do now? So he sends her husband off and puts him on the front lines. And Uriah, the the husband, is one of his, like, close bodyguards. Right. So he would know this man well. And he sends him off, puts him in a position where he knows he'll get killed, gets the guy killed. Okay? That's the string of events. He's a a coward. He's selfish. He's lustful. He is a rapist now. And he has – he's a murderer. He's a murderer. Okay? That's kind of a lot of things. (laughs) And if we're going to judge those occur in this list. <laughs> if, if we're going to judge David by this list, David is sitting in hell. Yeah. Okay? But when David is confronted by Nathan it is, right? Uh yeah, I think it is. When Nathan confronts David with the story about the man who steals the sheep, the little lamb, right? Right. right and it's right. secretly a story about David. Oh yeah. David is just outrageous. Yeah. He's he's so mad that somebody would do this and then Nathan says, "You're the man." It's you. You did it. You did this. And David breaks down and confesses. He comes unglued. He, he falls apart. He admits it he all. He says, you're he sees right. It. And so I believe that it's exactly like you just said. Was that in Ephesians there where you yeah, said yeah, yeah. they try to defend this kind of behavior? They try to excuse these sins. We yeah. are all struggling with sins. Yeah. The question is, are you trying to excuse it? Are you trying to say it's fine? Yeah. Because then you're the people on this list. Yeah. And you should be really worried. If you are trying to rid yourself of your sin and you're confessing your sin and you're repenting and you're going to God and you're asking for forgiveness, I think that is a different situation than what is being described in these lists. Yeah. But if we read these lists at face value, we are all in so much trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, is that a fair take, you think? I think it is. I think it is. Okay. I mean, that's my big one um, because it was like five passages that I just strung together. Oh, yeah. There. And that's a minimum. There's there's more. Oh, there's, yeah. There, there are others. other passages. For yeah. sure. But, but they all kind of work together and yeah. they really paint this giant picture of you're all done. You're toast. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of thought I'd just kind of put them all together there for yeah. you. Um, but the other one I asked around and, um, it, I asked one of the guys here at the church, I said, is there anything you wish wasn't in the Bible? He said, self-discipline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's worth just a uh, honorable yeah. mention. The yeah. fruits of the spirit. How often do we fail at those? You know what I mean? Like we're, we're called to, to, to embody all of those things, like if we are truly in Christ, then they'll just flow out of us. But it can be really disheartening when you stop and look at it and go, I'm so bad at all of these. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know. Or even five out of the nine. <laughs> right, right. And, and the thing is, like, 
the there's nothing really confusing about this. It's just very straightforward, but that's almost what makes it worse. Yeah, you know, I, I sometimes I, I wish it didn't say self control because I'm just so bad at it. I just I, I want to eat the whole pizza. You know what I yep, mean? Or like yep, yep. gentleness. You know, not exactly my strong suit. You know, <laughs> so I thought that that was a it just immediately he was like yeah. bingo. Yep, self discipline. I was like, yeah. I get that. The reason yeah. we're bringing these up, guys, um, there's a lot of stuff like this. So if you've got something in the Bible that you wonder why it's there, or you're thinking, man, I really just wish this wasn't there, write into us at uh, saltysaintspodcast.com and let us know why you wish it weren't in the Bible. We would love to talk about those things in a future episode. So if you've got anything uh, on that list you're thinking about, let us know. Uh, other than that, yeah, check us out at saltysaintspodcast.com. Um also, check out lifeaudio.com. Check out all of our friends uh, at Life Audio. They've got lots and lots of cool podcasts for you to check out over there. Um, honorable mention, by the way, we had our friend Robin Elizabeth write in to us, and she just, uh, just a really great, great letter. I mean, um, I, I won't go into detail. I don't know how much, you know, she wanted to share anything, but just... You know, be praying for Robin. She's just really trying to strengthen her walk with Jesus, and she just um, she just could use all of our prayer and, and encouragement, as all of us could, right? And so, thank you so much, Robin, for for uh, writing into us and just letting us know that you appreciate the podcast. That means a lot, for real. Um, so, we would love to hear from you guys. Please write into us. Let us know where your heads are at, where your hearts are at right now, and how we can help you uh, on your walk with Christ and. Uh, Please be praying for us as we continue to try and come up with good uh, good quality content for you. So uh, I guess until next time, stay salty. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.